Last week we talked about, do you remember Hernan or Hernando Cortez? We had a little bit of history there. Back in the 1500s, he was given the responsibility to, to colonize, kind of like Christopher, Christopher Columbus or Christopher Colombo. Um, that was his job. And he was going to various places and conquering, if necessary, and establishing a, a colony for Spain. And so he came to this place eventually called Veracruz, Mexico, which was in kind of central Mexico. And he went there, and he stayed there for a while. And he was actually very good at getting the indigenous people. He was a really good leader and um, actually married one of the uh, indigenous people that lived in the land before he got there. So he actually married one of those people. And... Um, but he, his, his main goal and purpose and uh, the reason he was sent out was to colonize those, all right? Well, over time, there was battles that had to go on and things became really difficult and the details really aren't all that important, but it's the decision that he made. While these things were getting more and more difficult and the people were forced to defend themselves, to, to battle, to keep this land... Some of his people were of the mind that, well, we always have the ships in case we need to escape. Or, and so they began to long for the comfort of Spain, of home, and they wanted to go back. They wanted to go back to the ships to retreat. And Cortez, hearing this rumble underneath his people told his main guy, go and burn the ships. <clears throat> Wait, excuse me, sir. Did you just tell me to burn the ships? That's exactly what I said. You mean to tell me you want me to burn the ships? The only way that we can get out of here safely. Those are the very ones. Burn them right now. Burn them. And so what that did was it forced his people, uh-oh, we got to fight for what we have here because there's no other way. Either we live here and fight or we die. And it worked. And it worked. And he was not the only one to do that throughout history to burn the ships. But the message here is very, very real. And the message is, when things get difficult, are we going to turn around and run the other way? You know, we, this is a great reference to our faith as well. <clears throat> How many of you know that living a life for Christ is not easy? I need to see some more hands in that, friends. <laughs> Unless you get a different faith than what I got, because, Yeah? Living for Christ is not easy, all right? Sometimes you get persecuted for what you believe. You get laughed at. Sometimes there is trials that you go through because God is trying to train you. There's certain things. You know, he's trying to raise you up, trying to shape you to be a mature believer, a mature Christian. 
Yeah? Lacking nothing, the Bible says. Okay? And so, in our faith, sometimes, I remember feeling like this, and it was probably around the time that I was working on Sunday mornings. And I remember one time, I was just feeling really low, and a brother came to me, and he says, hey, brother, shook my hand. He says, how you doing? And he didn't mean just, hey, how you doing? He meant, how you doing? And I just crumbled. Literally, I crumbled, and I fell to the ground. And I just, just bawling. I bawled right there. Ah, just a blubbering mess. I was... You know, all pride's gone out the window. <clears throat> we as men, we don't like to cry. We're adults. We're, we're strong. We're leaders. And there I was on my knees, a blubbering mess at the feet of a brother who was caring. And all he said was, hey, brother, how you doing? That's all it took. But I was so broken, so down, so just feeling so defeated. Did you ever feel that way? You ever feel defeated? Yeah? And sometimes it just feels like nothing goes your way. And I remember saying to my father, why does everything have to go wrong? I was having trouble with our vehicles. There was never enough money to go around, it seemed. And one thing after another, things were breaking down, and it was just everything. It never seems like there's just one thing at a time where you can handle it. It's like everything all at once. And it was hitting me hard. And I remember saying to my father, it'd be so much easier if I just went back the other way. This is too hard. And I knew in my heart that I didn't want to do that, but in my mind, I was thinking that. That if I just leave, all, if I just leave my faith, it would make things easier for me. Because living out your faith when it's... Living out your faith in the face of adversity is tough. Yeah? Because we're learning how to trust God. And let me tell you, I was in the desert there. I was in the desert like the Israelites were in the desert. I was learning how to hear from God. I was learning how to trust God and act upon my faith. I was learning the authority that I had against the enemy as a believer, as a Christian. The same authority that you have. Given to you by Christ himself. And so I was learning how to do those things, and I knew that I couldn't give up my faith. I didn't want to give up my faith, but my mind, it was just like a seed that was planted by the enemy. If you just leave all this behind you, things would be so much easier. But there has to be a decision, and there has to be a accounting of the cost that it takes to follow Christ. Think for a moment. <clears throat> if you were going to build a house, you wouldn't just start building. You wouldn't just go grab a bunch of lumber and start building, would you? That's crazy. All right? You would, you'd have to plan it all out. You may even have to seek 
and consult some other people that know more about this topic than you, maybe an architect or maybe a construction engineer or somebody like that, um, that can better tell you how to start. Well, you're going to need a footer, and then you're going to need a, you know, a basement, and you're going to need a, a sill plate, and then you're going to need to build some walls and, and things like that, okay? And so you're, you're seeking advice as to what to do. If you didn't seek the advice on what to do, you just start building, you're going to probably run out of money, and you're probably going to have to redo stuff over and over, and you're going to look like a fool because your house is going to be a mess or it's going to be unfinished. And that's the example that Jesus gives in the Bible about counting the cost. You wouldn't just jump into that. You would sit down first. You would have many conversations. You would have many consultations as to what is needed for me to build this house. Wouldn't you? In the same way, we are to consult, seek, and find out what is it going to take for me to follow Christ. Because I'm going to tell you right now, it's not easy. Being a Christian is not for the weak. Being a Christian is not for the weak. All right? Some people that are not Christians will tell you, oh, that religion is just a crutch. I don't need a crutch. I don't need something to lean on. I'm strong enough. I've heard that before. You? It's not a crutch. You think it's so easy, you try it. (laughs) Yeah? It's not easy. But it's necessary. Okay? You may, for the sake of Christ and Him crucified, you may take persecution. You may be patronized and belittled. All right? You may even have to suffer physically for your faith. All right. We don't see a lot of that around here, but it's possible. All right. In other countries, it is. They are suffering. All right. Palestine, Afghanistan, China, man, Russia, those places, they persecute their Christians and sometimes they put them to death. And it's not pleasant. And so you're risking Iran, you're risking your very life being a Christian. Okay? It's not easy. Every single day, your life is at risk physically because of your beliefs in Christ. All right? It's not easy. So when we follow Christ, we need to count the cost. Yeah? Sit down, calculate what it's going to cost to be a follower of Christ. Now, when Jesus says these things, to count the cost... Back then, things were different, and it would definitely cost you, could cost you your life being a believer in Jesus Christ. Let's turn to Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 35. Did you bring your Bibles today? Luke chapter 14, verse 25. 
large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now let's just hold on a second here. Why is this Jesus who speaks of love and grace and mercy, why would he say that he wants me to hate my mother and father, my sister and brother? Why would he do that? Well, there's a reason why it was said this way. All right. Now, back in those days, family was everything. In today's world, especially in America, we're very independent, and so families, they live in different locations, all right? Back then, and even today, in other countries, it's not like that. You will have several different generations of family under one roof, and the house just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Victoriano's family, okay? Back when he was just starting out some 28, 29 years ago, his house was very small, and now he's got grown children that are living as part of the house, and he's kind of got this whole block thing going on on, on his street, if you will, all right? And his daughters have one part of the house, and he, he's building on, and, and so, but still it's all in one section, all right? And that's the way it was back then. Everybody was kind of connected, and very much so. And I saw some of that when I was in Israel to this day. And the whole family is just, when it comes to the Sabbath, everybody coming home. Everybody's coming home for dinner, and they're going to spend the day together. And they all look forward to it throughout the whole week. And everything stops when it's time for the Sabbath. And it's very special, and it's very um, intimate, you know. It's very beautiful. And so Jesus is saying to people, if anyone comes after me and does not hate his father and mother. And so I wrestled with this for some time, and it's taken me some time to be able to gather the understanding. And if I can just boil it down to something very simple and make it understandable for you, and it's not really that difficult, but it's like this. The Lord Jesus wants us to love him so much that even the intense love that we have for our family that sticks together looks like it would be hatred because of our great love for Christ Jesus. Does that make sense? All right? So if we love our family like this, he's saying, you love me like this. Does that make sense? Okay, And so he's saying that the love, the great love that you have for your family is just so powerful. But he says, that's going to seem like hatred compared to your love for me. I would do anything for my family. But Christ says, I need you to do more. Okay, I need you to do more for me, for the kingdom of God. We have a tendency to want to get away with as little as we possibly can. Yeah, okay? Now, some of my children, I won't mention any names, 
But if I give them a job to do and say, you know, this is your job, sometimes they would just do as little as they could just to say they did it. Did you do, did you empty the dish? Yep, I did. Did you take out the trash? Yep, I did. All right. Did you vac? Yep, I did. Did you sweep? Yes, I did. All right. But if you investigate what was done in this job, you might find that some things have been left behind. Okay? And now I know it's hard for you guys to understand this. Your kids aren't like that. But sometimes that's the way it goes. We get away with as little as possible, Alexandra Collin, as we possibly can. <laughs> Love you guys. <laughs> I got a microphone and you don't. <laughs> and so I have to include Brennan and Devin and Jody in that <coughs> equation as well. <laughs> it was there. I took it. Oh, boy. Where was I in this deep conversation that we're having? Getting away with as, as little as we can. And so in this example, we may not be doing all that we should do. We're getting away with as little as we possibly can. And we carry that mentality into the kingdom of God as well. I, okay, so if I had to ask the question, the thinking might be something like this. How little do I have to do to get away with this, to be called a Christian? How little do I have to give in order for it to be okay? How little time do I have to give in order to still attain heaven? Okay, and that is our thinking right? When in all actuality, Jesus is saying, that's not good enough. I want all of you. I want everything from you. I want your time. I want your talents. I want your money. I want it all. And in return, you get eternal life. You get salvation. I gave myself for you. I gave everything for you. I remember my dad, and I've, I've told you this before, as a young man that was preparing for Bible college. We were living in Canisius at the time, and he was whining and complaining about having to wear a tie to this college. This college, you showed up without a tie, you were sent home. <clears throat> You don't come without a tie to college. That's one of the requirements. All right? And so that was their precedence. That was their standard. My dad didn't like it. And he was complaining to my Grandpa Peters. Now, if any of you knew my Grandpa Peters, he would tell it like it was. Okay? And over the years, he got better as a Christian man, better, a little bit more tactful, and things like that. But he was never known prior to that for being a man of such means. And my dad was complaining about having to wear this tie, you know, and I don't want to wear a tie. And if I got to wear a tie, I ain't going. And my grandpa said, Jesus went to the cross for you. You think you can wear a tie 
Jesus went to the cross for you, you think you can wear a tie. And that just, that's all it took, you know? And it just put things in order, didn't it? It put things in clear view. And Jesus is saying in this scripture passage, sit down and think about what it's going to cost you to follow me. Now think about this. Back then, we, we talked about the family. We talked about how important everything was family. Everything. Okay? Now, society in those days, Jewish people, okay, living under Roman rule, very, very difficult. The Romans were a brutal people. They forced their authority over you, and they reigned for a long time, okay? And people were fearful of the Roman government. People, people were fearful of Pilate, okay, because of the brutality, all right? Crucifixion was one of the most brutal punishments ever, and you can see why. Okay, so Jesus is preparing people that would come after him and say, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says, okay, I'm glad to see that. But he says, you know what? Foxes have holes. Birds have nests. But the son of man has no place to lay his head. Can you live like that? And it makes people think, well, can I live where I'm on the go all the time back then? All right? So that would be something that you... Another guy came to him and said, well, um, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you know, uh, obey the commandments. You know, um, love your neighbor as yourself. And, and this guy is saying, well, I've done all of these things since I was a boy. And Jesus says, okay, get rid of all your stuff because I know you got a lot. Get rid of it and come and follow me. And the man went away sad because he couldn't get rid of his stuff. And it's not that Jesus wanted all his money. It's not that he wanted him to really even give it all away. What he was saying was, I've got to be first in your life. Are you willing to do that? And that standard is still the same today. We've become weak in our theology, friends, our study of God, our knowledge of God. We've been weakened in our doctrine, what we believe about God, what we teach others about God. We, are, we believe in a watered-down Christianity that says that it's okay if we watch certain things, if we listen to certain things, if we say certain things, it's okay because that's what everybody else is doing. No, it's not okay. It's not okay. You know why? Because the biblical standard has not changed. What we believe, what we do, how Christians are supposed to act has not changed. The standard that God has set for those that follow him has not changed and does not change. Okay? 
He, he has a high standard for his people, those that follow him, and he demands everything. Well, how can anybody do that? That's asking too much, is it? Is it? Well, it doesn't seem to me like he's asking more than what he was willing to give. Because he gave it all for you and for me. It is not easy to be a follower of Christ. It is not easy. And the Bible says, come, let us reason together. Let's sit down. Let's talk about this. Let's talk this through. In your mind, you're thinking, well, i got to clean myself up before I come to Christ. He's going he's to make me give money. He's going to make me give my time. i got to get up on Sunday morning and go to church for two hours. Oh, I don't know if it's worth it. Really? Really? And God says, come, let us reason together. Let's sit down. Let's talk about this. Though your sins be as scarlet, they will be as white as the snow. God demands everything of you. In many cases, we try to keep things back from God. We try to keep things hidden from God as if he can't see them already, right? We try to withhold things from God and the whole time he's saying, I just, I just want every part of you. I don't want you to give me a piece of you, all right? And that's what we do. We withhold stuff from God. We withhold our tithes from God, and we give him just what we got left over. We give him sometimes what we, what we want to give, what, you know, just, I, I got 15 bucks in my pocket. That's good enough. That's good enough to the king of kings the creator of the universe, the savior of our souls, that's good enough to give what I got left over at the end of the week in my pocket, we should be ashamed of ourselves. You mean to tell me I've got to spend my morning, the only day that I get off, i got to spend it in church. i got to get up early? Come on! I just want to sleep. It's football day. Think about it, friends. Think about it. Think about everything that he gave and think about what we complain about. God wants all of you. Does he want your money to take it from you? No! Does he want your time to take away the time that you have on the weekend to rest? Absolutely not. Is he telling you to refrain, to refrain from, from addiction, from uh, drinking, getting drunk, and all these? Is he saying to get rid of those things, to rob you all your fun? No. He wants to bless you. That's why. He wants every part of you, and when we give every part of us, we get all of him. But you know what? If we refrain, if we withhold things from him, he is not able to bless those areas. Do you understand? If we withhold from him our tithes and offerings, he cannot bless those areas. If we withhold from him our Sunday mornings, he's not able to bless the rest that we get. If we withhold from him our time and our talents, he's not able to bless those things. Okay? God, 
His standard is, you come to me, you give it all. That's what I want. I want everything of you. It's not about money. It's not about time. It's about commitment. It's about love. It's about relationship. Let me ask you this. If, for those of you who are married or even in a relationship, let's say that come your wedding day and you gotta, you got to uh, do your vows, all right? For better, for worse. I don't want to do the worst one. Let's do for better, for richer, for poor. Well, let's just do the rich and poor, or the richer one. So we got better, we got richer, and we're just going to leave out all those things. How do you think that would go over? <laughs> yeah, right. Okay? That wouldn't go over at all. Okay? Sickness and in health. Well, let's leave out the sick. So we got richer, we got um, better health, we got... No. So if we withhold those things from our mate, from our love, how is our relationship going to be? Think about it, okay? In the same way, and the Bible references the body of Christ as the bride of Christ in which he is the groom, all right? And he expects everything from his bride, all right? He expects his bride to be pure and spotless without spot or stain. He has a standard that the people of God are supposed to keep. Don't for a minute think that we can water down the truth of God's word and get away with it. Don't for a minute think that because you're just giving a little bit of your time on Sunday morning or some other time, that that's going to be all that God demands of us. Some of us think that, well, I've done my thing. I've gone to church on Sunday morning. I'm done. I can check that off of my to-do list for the week. It's not. Well, what do you mean? What else do I have to do to please this God? What is, what is all this stuff? What do I... You've got to give everything. What does that look like? What does that look like? To give everything. That means consider what it may cost you. Financially, spiritually, time, efforts, talents, gifts. That when you come to Christ, come, you come willing to give all of those things, to lay them at the cross and say, I give you my heart. There's a song that we sing, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, Jesus. Yeah, I give you everything. I give you it all. And you know what? There's a scripture in the Bible, a passage, a parable that Jesus says. He says there was a man that... In his travels, found on this piece of land great treasure. And so, what did he do? He didn't have money just to pay for the thing. So, he went and he sold everything he had to buy that one piece of property. Why did he do that? Because the treasure that was on that property was worth more than anything else that he had. The treasure is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The treasure is Jesus. 
And we, when we understand the value of that treasure, we should be willing to give up everything to get the treasure. Let's make things very clear. God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your talents. God doesn't need your time. He owns it all. Think about it. God doesn't want your money. God doesn't want those. He wants your life. He wants all of you. You're his child. You're his child. He wants every part of you. Do you understand? Do you understand the heart of the matter? And so today, as we are considering and continuing this series in a sense of no turning back. And there's a scripture that says, he who starts, puts his hand to the plow and then turns back is not fit for the kingdom of God. What does that mean? If you've got a job to do, say a farm, and you're supposed to plow that and and the farmer's planning on you plowing that and he comes back three days later and finds that the tractor's only done one row when he's thinking it's all supposed to be planted by now it's not even plowed that farmer gonna be upset okay and what he's saying is if you start with me and then turn back you're not fit for the kingdom of god well that seems pretty harsh isn't it You're darn right it is. It is harsh. It's tough. But that's what he asks of you. Because he was willing to give everything for you. Do you understand? Count the cost, friends. What is it going to take? What is it going to take from me personally to attain the kingdom of God? It's going to take all of you. Are you willing to give that? Are you willing to give up to gain? Would you stand with me today? We're going to sing a song. And as we do, I want you to contemplate some things. I want you to think about, and these are some of the things that we're going to talk about at our open meeting that we have. I'm really looking forward to that. And I hope that you will uh, make some time after... Uh, church on the 28th to be with us. We're, we're going to talk about where God's taken us, where we feel God leading, and what that's going to look like. What things do we need to do as a church? There's, there's many, many things. But there's a direction that we feel God is leading, and we're excited about it. And we want to be able to share that with you, and we want to hear your thoughts about it. Okay? So as we're here together today, in closing... I want you to contemplate your, let's say performance, for lack of a better term. Contemplate your performance in the kingdom of God. Have you been withholding things from God that he is asking that you give up? Have you been withholding things from God and and keeping him out of areas of your life that he is unable now because of that to bless those areas and to maybe cleanse those areas of your lives. You're his children. He wants to bless you. He wants to prosper you. 
He has good in store for you if you will only allow him to do that. Count the cost, friends. And once you put your hand to the plow in the kingdom of God, don't turn back. Burn those ships. Burn those ships. Stay and fight. Heavenly Father, we come before you. Lord, we feel a spiritual pull in the direction that you are taking us in this church and in the kingdom. And Lord, sometimes we're a little uneasy as to what that's going to demand of us. And I pray that you would be with those that have that reservation. I pray that you would comfort their hearts. I pray that you would give them the peace and I pray that you would place in them that hunger to serve you.